a son and his name should be called wonderful the counselor the prince of peace the everlasting father whoa of his government there will be no end but this one is not just a little minor God he's the warrior God the mighty God known in the book of Revelation as the almighty and for this we praise you and we thank you, Lord. We sung this song, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. In that name is wisdom. In that name is power. In that name is healing. In that name is deliverance. Oh, in that name we're represented there as Miss Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to express our love to you today. Father, I'm holding in my hands some prayer cloths that will be sent out across the nation. Needs, Lord, of your children. Lord, in particular, the Goss family that we're praying for today, Ben and his mother. Lord, in particular, we're praying for a little pastor down in Florida, Brother Raymond, who's been under demonic attack. And there are others, Lord, that are crying out to you and saying, I need you, Jesus. I need you to move on my behalf. We read in the Bible that it was taken from the body of Paul, little, little cloths or aprons, handkerchiefs, and there they took and sent them out and laid them on the sick and evil spirits departed from them. We're not St. Paul, but you're still the same Jesus. And I'm asking God that you'll meet the needs of your people. Lord, we hear hungry hearts calling from everywhere. I need, I'm in need. I, I'm, I, 
I've got to have this Jesus. I want a real and living God. I pray, Lord, today that you'll just be God on their behalf. Lord, all that you are and all you promise is a husband to this bride. There are those that are sick and needy, Lord. The Wilson family that has been struck down by this COVID, Lord, we bind that devil in the name of Jesus. And we claim the blood that was shed at Calvary. And we believe, Lord, for their healing, for by whose stripes they are healed. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. And we believe, Lord. May it go out, Lord, to every home, to every place. As our brother Kenny Kemp texted me this morning and said, just lay your phone up there and let them, let us hear, let them hear my amens as I rejoice with you, Lord. Oh, God, may he not just rejoice in the word, but the power of the Holy Ghost illuminating his faith today to believe the word of promise for himself as we agree together as a body of believers for his deliverance. Satan, you've got to take your hands off of God's property. We're the children of the Most High God. And we call for you to leave God's people everywhere as we stand there on the promise of the word. And, and we have been commissioned to cast you out. So therefore today on the wings of this prayer, we send it right here in this building to every person, to those that are listening in and streaming around the world. In Jesus' name, for the glory of God, amen and amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Judges chapter 16, and we'll read from the 16th verse. Amen. God has been so good to us, and we so appreciate him. Good to see each one of you that has assembled with us today. Amen. See Brother Kirkman, Sister Amanda back there. God bless you. Amen. And the master's family over here, God bless you. Amen. So I'm glad to have you all in the service with us. And those of you that hadn't been here for a while, well, we're glad you're here too. Amen. Judges 16, 16. And it came to pass when she, meaning Delilah, pressed him daily with her words and urged him, meaning Samson, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God. From my mother's womb, if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called them for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees and called for a man. And she caused him to shave off all seven locks from his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. Then she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not the Lord had departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to, to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. 
Then the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves, them together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemies and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts was merry, and they said, Call for Samson, that he may make a sport. And then they called Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that led him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the, the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged to the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took a hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon the people therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death was more than they which he slew in his life. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, today we're going to be speaking on again from the, the, the little subject that we're holding dear to our heart of us being in the land of promise. And, um, but this portion of it today is we're going to be speaking on is there hope of revival. And we're going to be speaking of Samson the type. And Brother Branham told us in God hiding himself in simplicity, he said, now you hear me, if you believe me to be a messenger sent from Christ to you, you, you believe me. If, not, if you're not in the kingdom of God, you better press right quick. It will not get better. It will grow worse all the time. And certainly we can see the effects of that right now today. He said, just mark it down. Just remember, see whether it's right or wrong. So you see it's, if it's going to be right or wrong. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder all the time. The revival is gone. You're only gleaning in the field. She's over. Now you say, I disagree with that. Fine, it's okay if you do. That's all right. But that's my conviction. And that's my hearing from heaven. I believe the Laodicean age is a Pentecostal age where she comes to the place of lukewarm and God spews her from her mouth, from his mouth. And there she's come right now. The Pentecostal movement has come down to that place. Lukewarm, not red hot, not ice cold. You're not cold and formal. Neither are you hot. You're spewing and you're in the spewing stage and you're going. Now, of course, as we um, approach this subject here this morning and look into this thought, is there hope of revival? I would like to say, sadly, message churches 
are not exactly immune to this. People are getting so hard and are not as tender and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but are lukewarm about it. Um, you know, as Brother Branham um, spoke about this in the message of shame, this was July before he would depart from the, from the earth in December. And he said, I told my wife and Brother Wood when I got here and some friends I met yesterday that I've had five years, I've hardly known what to do. And it's a nervous see that revival itself amongst the churches has died. And everyone knows that. You feel it in this tabernacle. I want you to know it didn't just affect denominational churches. But he was, he was dealing with this in his own church and assembly. He said that you feel it in this tabernacle. You feel it everywhere. There's a thump, a dead feeling. There's just something isn't right. And it's because the revival enthusiasm has gone away from the people. And he said, you go into the churches, you sit them, see them sitting there, and this pastor is stumbling around for a message or something or another, and the first thing you know, he's turned off to some kind of a party that they're going to have or something, and it seems to be a dead thump everywhere. And this was a condition that Brother Branham was finding in his church and in everywhere in the whole, whole movement, everywhere in that time, in that era of time. Even, um, even as he would speak um, in Shreveport and, and would plead with God once more to send a revival to that place. And he would, he would remark in that in, in Life Tabernacle, he said, but the church sits spiritually dead gone and the hour has passed them. They're in a slump and hardly know what to do. One running this way, one running another way. And here, every promise that God made in the Bible, every one of them is laying there just as good as they ever was. It's the hour. What makes a church like this? We're in the age of Laodicea when she has to come this way. This is the hour for it. Now, but, uh, you know, we, we also know that God is a God that likes to display his power. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, not that he has to, but he just has to. It's like Brother Branham said in one place, he said, God loves to show his muscles to his children that I'm God and that I change not. And so he, it pleases him in his omnipotence to do this to just to let his subjects know who he is. Amen. Amen. And, and, um, and we ought to be rejoicing about that this morning because he has shown us his power. Amen. We have seen him in his power. And I'll tell you, I don't think we've seen all of it yet. Amen. I think we're just on the cusp of some of the greatest things that's ever happened upon the face of the earth. And we're seeing the precursor of it now as if God begins to move in his church. And I was just, I was just remarking today of, um, uh, to Michael about what a miracle even my wife is because I said, I don't think we wrap our, our minds around what a miracle that we've just seen take place. And, and, and doctors are testifying, nurses are testifying. It, it hardly ever happens 
And it is a miracle that has taken place that just in, just in weeks' time that she's back again in church and, and, and all body functions working because God is a God of miracles and he loves to display his power among us. And so it, what does this do? It prepares our hearts. Amen. It makes us ready. It makes us brace up and ready to take a hold, a new hold. Amen. To say, you know, if God will do that, what else will he do? He can do this for every situation. Amen. For every problem. Now, of course, Brother Branham said that the people who don't believe in divine healing and performing miracles, no wonder our church is dying. No wonder they're withering up to bloodless cults. And this describes those who say, all the lamb has left the mercy seat and you know, they have become a bloodless cult. When you deny the body, the blood, or the word, that's the hour that you die. And so no wonder that just a social gospel is predominating today. It's because, you know, we're, we're taking the, the phenomenal away from God. And, hey, if there ever was a time that we need the phenomenal and the supernatural, it is now. And, and Brother Branham said, God himself is a phenomenal. He is a creator being. He is Jehovah. He's the great reality. He's the great substance of everything that was made on the earth was made by him. And he displays his power by raising the sun every morning, by sending forth the rain, by setting his rainbows, by, and comes down to his subjects and healing their sickness and saving their sins. Amen. So wonderful, how wonderful this is to, to think of it. Just God loves to show the phenomena, to show the supernatural. In the message conference, he said, notice if the church, if it's the church, then when they obeyed what God said originally, and it's the word of God, look at the miracles and signs and so forth that they had. Speaking of the early church age, church there. He said, and you, you don't have them at all today. It's an evidence that God is not with you. So when we don't see the miraculous, when we don't see God move among us, come on, that is an evidence God is not with us. Now, again, an uncertain sign, Brother Branham says this, and, and this is a 1960s quote, but listen, it's very good, uncertain sound. He said, now, what kind of signs is going to follow them? These signs, well, on some of them it'll follow, perhaps it will, maybe it will. These signs shall follow them. They will believe in healing. They will believe in casting out devils. They will believe in speaking with tongues. Oh, they'll believe in the supernatural works of God, the resurrected Jesus working with them. Is that the truth? Is that God's last word? He's referring to Mark 16, the last things that Jesus said. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe. So he said, then cursed is he that tries to add to or take away from that. It's just the way it is. Was the Pentecostal church a noisy church back at the beginning when the Holy Ghost fell? The Virgin Mary, like she was drunk, staggering under the power of God, and all of them like that. And the people said, they're full of new wine. That's the way the church was ordained, and that's the way that every church is ordained. 
And every time God has a church, it'll be that same kind of a church. Hallelujah. Amen. Just going to share some of these before we go into the message this morning. Second-handed robe. Brother Branham said, brother and sister, the same thing has been done in the realms of the supernatural when they said divine healing cannot work. The days of miracles is past. If the days of miracles is past, the days of God is past. The church that don't believe in the supernatural will finally die, and God will leave that church. Amen. And God gave the promise, and God's promises is eternal. So we must be a people that believes in the supernatural and believes the signs shall follow them that believe. But as he said, again, he said, it seemed like there's a dying out of the churches. Hardly you can find a church anymore that's alive with the word and the spirit of God and great things taking place like it was not long ago. Now, as I told you last Sunday, there are two thoughts that Brother Branham wove back and forth, especially right after the seals, back and forth as he just went into that and from 63 into 64 especially, and, I, and I'm coming through 65 right now, but it, it just, it, it, there are two thoughts that he interwove back and forth. One was a thought that contained um, that was contained and preached over and again and be not afraid and testimony on the sea and go awake Jesus and others that dealt where the disciples were between revivals. And understand that's where we're at. We are between revivals. We are between the revival of the divine healing movement and then the, the final quickening of the rapture. Amen. Amen which that will be, again, another great move of the Spirit. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost that we have worked in a small measure while the headstone has come down to unite with the body. But when it comes down, it'll come down, he said, with the full power and raise her up that even the dead in Christ will be raised. So, uh, so again, these, these, are, these are things that are promised, and we are in the last day revival. And it will crescendo into the change of our body and the rapture of the church. Amen. So we are, we, you know, we're not looking for it to get less. We're looking for it to crescendo. That the things that we begin to see among us of God working in the miraculous that he will continue working that miraculous until our bodies are changed. And that is the ultimate of ultimate miraculous. Amen. Now, so you, again, there was, then the other thought was Samson crying out, once more, Lord. And Brother Branham will use him as a type of what had happened to the church. And for what, us to, for what for us to expect in this last day? Are you with me? Now, so he preached a sermon on Samson as, as the present state of the church. This is the present state. And he showed where the church was in a condition, a deceived church by the world. Of being blinded and defeated and even coming down to where it would be afraid of the new birth. 
Now, let me stop there just for a moment and remember, Brother Brandon said it, it would turn us into a, it would turn us into a bloodless cult. And remember, a bloodless cult is one who has no blood. The Holy Ghost isn't there. The power in the life of Jesus isn't there. And there is one thing that makes us different between, will make us different between the church and the bride is the token, which is the blood, which is the Holy Ghost, which is the power of God and all that it contains. Are you with me now? So the church will, will, never, will never overcome. They'll wind up in the tribulation, but there's a new crop. That is going to avenge, oh hallelujah, that is going to put vengeance upon the devil and avenge the blood of the saints by resurrection of all the saints coming forth. Hallelujah, those that went down in the fire and burnt to ashes and those that were, 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 were persecuted and, and tormented and all of that will be raised. You are living in the most exciting times that there's ever been. And you must not be lukewarm about it because that damns you to the tribulation. As we look at this, let's look at this soberly and sincerely. And nothing, nobody look at us with pride of we the people, we're this, we're this. You make your own call in an election, sure. Do not think for a moment that any of us can rest on the laurels of our past. Let's see, what are we now? Where are we walking now? What's our level of, 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 um, of fervency and zeal now? Now, as we come to this, these two thoughts that Brother Branham would talk about, he would first preach it at his own tabernacle. And this would begin in 1959 when he would preach it for the first time, a deceived church by the world. And in this, he would speak directly to his own church. Now, this is different than speaking out here to the denominational world and telling them where they're in error. This is starting right there in the very, in the very heart of the bride movement. Where, that he would, where he would put out a warning of a deceived church by the world. And he would use Samson as the type. I'm, and let me just, and I've shared this quote before, and I hope I haven't worn it out to you, but let's look at it a little deeper today as we go in here. In a deceived church by the world, he said the reason people go and join organizations and substitute a handshake instead of the new birth, they're trying to bypass the new birth. They don't want the new birth. 
And they know we teach it in the Bible, so they want to substitute something for it. And, and the Pentecostal people are just as bad trying to substitute something. They want it in class. It must be so classy. I wonder if that's what we've done with it. When we make the new birth today, just saying we believe Brother Branham a prophet and we believe the message and oh, you've got it. We wanted it classy. We shake hands and join the church and be a sprinkled or baptized or something. They're afraid of the new birth. And he said, I sometimes believe that Branham Tabernacle's getting afraid of it. So he could identify it already, the spirit of it, right in the movement. You see, because every time there's a move of God, there's also an antichrist spirit that tries to move in there with it. To make the church lukewarm and formal and powerless. And we must, by God's spirit, discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit. Somebody with me now? Now, I mean, I, I, I know because we've had, we've had great churches, even main, mainstream. I'm talking about not fanatical this way or that way. Mainstream message churches were, you know, in meetings that where, where people were invited to receive the Holy Ghost and people would come and, you know, have, some would have an experience with God and at the end, a man get up and minister get up and say, well, now how many got the Holy Ghost and how many don't think you did? And now I'm going to show you where you did. You see, if you believe the message, you've already got it. And that man today has turned against the message and has blasphemed the truth of God. Are you with me? Yes. That same man is right back into his easy believism, you know, dressing and looking and, and behaving in different ways that should never be to a minister of the gospel. Are you with me? Amen. It hadn't worked. In fact, the matter is, it's, it's really blasphemy to say, I believe the message I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, uh, again, you know, believing the message is not your salvation. It's an experience, a personal experience with Jesus Christ. Now, again, he says in there, I believe the Branham Tabernacle has got to get afraid of it. And he said, now we all know that a birth, I don't care where it is or or whereabouts, it's a mess. If a baby's born on a shut pile or a hard floor or pink decorated hospital room, it's a mess anyhow. A birth of a calf, birth of anything is a, else is a mess. And Brother Branham's using the analogy of the natural birth, water, blood, spirit. Right? And he said, it's a mess. Now, and I know there'll be those who say, well, but that was in 59, and Brother Bradham changed. Well, in 1965, he's still using that analogy. And he said, the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people are so starchy. We're going to get some starch out some collars today. Amen. We'll go over there where they'll shake hands. We'll go over there where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out 
And you hear people say, oh, we're so glad to have them kind of meetings, you know, where there's no, nobody crying and nobody bawling out at the altar and whatever, but, you know, something that just made everybody feel good. He said, you want to be too human. What we need is a, is a birth, a dying out to bring forth life. He said, oh, seed of seed, an old potato, seed potato. You got to take that potato and put it in the ground until you can have new potatoes. And that old potato has to rot. A corn cannot produce new life until it's rotten. And a man or a woman cannot never have a new birth until their intellectuals and their own self is dead and rotten and die out at the altar and scream and get all messed up to a place that the formality or the starchy says, get out of your collar, that's formality and adequate. And orders and church orders. Come on. And he said, and you're born again by the Spirit of God. He said, I don't care if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off, you're bringing forth new life. But we substituted something for it. We want the classical way. I'm getting at the root of the problem. Why we're lacking revival. Because people have never been revived. They've never had their own revival. 1964, who is Jesus? He talks about Zacchaeus. You remember his story of Zacchaeus, you know, getting the garbage can and, and, and getting himself all dirty, getting up in the tree and, and all that. And he's talking about a mess, garbage all over him. He's a polluted sight. And he said, sometimes God just has to let you get that. I heard somebody say, you know, their new way. Now here's Brother Branham concerned about this new way. I hope it never gets in our Pentecostal realms and it's all over the message realms now. Though I see it leaking in, shake hands, I take Jesus as my personal Savior. I like to see them get down there at the altar and die, beat and squall and slobber. You know, we used to have some horses when we fed them clover, that real pretty sweet clover honey in it, it made them slobber. When you get close enough to Canaan, you'll slobber a little too, you know, eating that honey out of Canaan. Amen. I, I like to see preaching like that, where we preach it in such a way people get to slobber. I'm going to confess something right here. I'm going to confess something. You know, I, I, I rebuke myself for it a whole lot, a lot of times. But it's got to wear any more that I, I look at my plate of food that we usually fix a plate and set it at the table and we sit down to eat. And I look at that plate of food and then I go to praying and my juices start running. <laughs> and I'm wiping my chin before I can quit praying. Wouldn't it be wonderful Amen. If we got here in the church and people started eating the good word of God and the juices just start running all over you, begin to slobber, chain, and desire and say, give me some more of this. I can't wait. Lord, pour it out. Fill me with your spirit. Invigorate me. Energize me. Get this food on the inside of me.
You know their new way? Just say, I believe the message. I believe Brother Vanna's a prophet. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got the revelation. You're, you're, you're in. You, oh, I believe the thunders. I believe this. I believe the perusia. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're in. You're a good boy. Come on, just you. You'll get over that pornography one day. You know what we're criticizing most about youth camp? Our altar calls. They say it's only emotion. In time evangelism, Brother Branham said it this way. He said, the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious groups has tried to prove that this blessed thing we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. See, it just don't stand up according to their scientific theory, but I'd like to ask them, what makes them change? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the cancer and diseases depart from the people and the deaf, dumb, and blind, and the dead to raise up? Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it, certainly. Anything that's alive has emotion, and anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression, but I think we ought to bury some of our emotionless religion then. Because, because that it is dead, it has no emotion to it. Any religion that has not emotion should be buried. You see, because it is emotional. Jesus, when he entered the city and the, the children and them and all the friends crying, Hosanna, him that cometh in the name of the Lord. And those religionists of that day couldn't stand it. It was too emotional. Said if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. See, something must cry out because there's life in it. But you say, brother, tell me, you know, we've got the word today, the word, the word. Well, when David saw the word, the ark returning, he danced before the Lord. Is that right? Amen. He rejoiced because the word was coming back. And there his wife got embarrassed of his dancing and shouting and rejoicing in front of all Israel. Said, you didn't look dignified like a king. You know, you, you disgraced the king's office acting the way you're doing. And you, you've cut up like that and misbehaved in, in, in her presence. And she just scolded him real good because she was embarrassed. And God cursed that woman with a curse. You know what the curse was? No children. That's right. That was a curse in that day. Today, oh, it's the end thing to do. But in that day, it was a curse not to have children. Amen. You died. You're, 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 you, know, you're, you had no progeny to go on. And they realized the value of life. And that, that lineage died right there. Because what? A woman laughed and scorned the rejoicing because the ark was returning. And the penalty, is somebody with me? The penalty for scorning and laughing and Holy Ghost singing and Holy Ghost rejoicing will mean you'll have no children. It'll be a barren church. That's a curse. 
Because we're to bring forth sons and daughters to God. Amen. Oh my. Think of that. God hates a powerless religion. Brother Branham kept saying that all the way down past, way past the seals. Their religion has no power. So what he must do in this day, every time the Bible got outside, of the, outside this side of the Bible, every time there come a Reformation revival, it was backed with great signs and powers. When Luther came forth, when Wesley came forth, when all the reformers, Sankey, Finney, Knox, Calvin, whoever, when they come forth, there was power demonstrated. Where God is, he's supernatural. Where God displays himself, there's got to be supernatural. Amen. So my question is today, does the true church have the strength to produce the atmosphere where souls can be born in the kingdom. You remember the days of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19 and 3, and he saw that day as a day of blasphemy. And he said, they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there's not enough strength to bring forth. Amen. Amen. Give us a little more air up here, Timothy. No strength. No atmosphere. Churches can be so ice cold. Ah, you're a little cool this morning. You gonna make me fight for this sermon? I'll fight every devil in hell for this one. Amen. Now, as we think of this atmosphere, atmosphere is going to be so important for revival. Without atmosphere, there's no healing. Got to be an atmosphere of faith. Without atmosphere, there's no salvation. There's got to be an atmosphere of faith. Of believing. Are you with me? Amen. So, so again, it's the atmosphere that does it. Even, even Brother Bowser said, you know, it, it's not the hen. He said, it's the atmosphere. He said, you can put that, that under a pup, and the atmosphere would hatch an egg. You can put it in an incubator, and the atmosphere, if you got the humidity right and the temperature right, it'll, it'll, it'll hatch those eggs. Right? Amen. You, but again, what we need is a Holy Ghost atmosphere. Amen. An atmosphere where the power of God is moving. Amen. Where we're in one, one accord. Come on. Together under that atmosphere. What kind of accord, Brother Jim? Expecting God to do things and do signs and wonders. Amen. Moving up into that bracket and stepping up in that faith where, where, where that we get into the dimensions where all things are possible. Now, but you know it'll never happen like that or it's more difficult to happen. You get people that are resenting this and that. You know, I remember... And I'm not rebuking you. I'm just making you observe something. But when we first had our first services back, we had, to, 
we had to be told where to sit and how to space and, you know, spacing out and through this building and people, we were Americans, we didn't like it. Yeah, it was all strange and different and whatever. It took about three or four services to get a good atmosphere again. To get rid of the resentment. Because God will not bless a resenting audience. Are you with me? Amen. But when we get in one accord. Amen. The more that we can get in the one accord, the more that we can see the spirit move. You know, you get one of them there, ah, it's time to go. We got one of the other. I hope he don't preach on that today. You got one, I don't like what he said there. Amen. But if you get people in one accord, where everybody is pulling the same way, God speak to us today. Amen. Don't leave me behind. Whatever you do, I want to be blessed too. If you're blessing this one, I'm not scorning them. I'm saying God bless me too. Don't pass me by. Come my way, Jesus. Amen. Where you just look and you say, I'm expecting great things. Amen. And that expectancy will get that unity among the people. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what brought the Holy Ghost down the first place. They went up there in 10 days and nights and until they were all in one place and with one accord blessing God for something they didn't have. Don't hang up on me. I want you to get this real loud and clear. They were blessing God. Not for the miracles they've seen, but for what they didn't have. It's one thing for you to bless God. Hallelujah. Sister Karen's well and healthy. But what about what you don't have yet? What about that prodigal that's coming home? What about the sick that needs healing? Come on now. Amen. Will you begin to bless God for what you don't have yet? For what you haven't seen yet? And you begin to call down heaven. I'm expecting more. You gave me a taste of it, but I'm going to have more of it. That's when God begins to move. And when you begin to thank him for what you don't have. Sister Lana got up and run around this place thanking God for what she didn't have. There was nothing evident yet in her body. And even still, weak and bad feelings on the day of the test. But hallelujah, the test over. No cancer. Why? Because somebody began to believe in extreme things. That God's doing extreme things. You might as well get with me. I'm going to preach a happy, I preach a sad. Amen, but I'm going to preach anyway. Amen, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were thanking God for the Holy Ghost that had not come yet. They only had it in seed form. What is a seed form? Promise. I've got a promise laying here. I've got a promise he'll restore my family. I got his promise here. He'll restore my wife. He'll restore my children. He'll restore my husband. Come on. I've got a promise. I've got a promise he'll heal all diseases. It's only a seed yet, but I'm going to water the seed. Yes. 
Hallelujah. You ask God for something, and he gives you an acorn. He said, but I wanted an oak tree. Well, I gave you one. You water it and take care of it, and it'll grow to be one. Amen. You asked for healing. God gave you a promise. It's a seed. So I wanted healing. I gave you healing. Where did you give it? I gave it to you at Calvary. My blood paid for it. Don't just stain my blood in the purchase of my blood. I paid for your healing. Now go to rejoicing. Watering that promise. Believe in that promise. Or do you see it manifested? They were blessing God for the Holy Ghost, which had not come yet. But they believed it. They believed God was going to keep his promise. And when they kept blessing God, they kept blessing him until the atmosphere got right. Oh, Brother Tim. Do you know, you can take a good seed, plant it in good ground. For that seed, different seeds takes different atmospheres, right? So, you know, you plant some things and and out of season, uh, sometimes it won't even germinate until the temperature gets right, till the atmosphere gets right. Come on, somebody. Now, we got promises in the Word, and you say, well, why don't they work? I planted them. Well, did you get the atmosphere right? Is faith there predominating the atmosphere to change that seed from a promise to fulfillment? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can anybody else say hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. Then, then let's say, God help me today to create an atmosphere. Yes. Yes. Say, Brother Jim, you're trying to work us up. I'm trying to get you to elevate your faith to rise another bracket so that there can be an atmosphere in this place where all things are possible to them that believe. Yes. And it happens yes. when you start praising God for what has not yet happened. Hallelujah. I'm praising God for barren to give birth. I'm praising God for prodigals to return. I'm praising God for cancers to be healed. Come on. I'm praising God for a good report this week as we come up to the week of test in August for Brother Ron Spencer. I'm praising God for healing and triumphing over COVID virus. Praising God for your children and your children's children and your mother and your daddy or whoever's afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm praising him for it. And when the atmosphere got right, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house. And all them were sitting, got visited by a pillar of fire. Are you ready for your visitation? Yes. 
This analogy Brother Branham uses of a birth being a mess. He uses it to explain the new birth all the way up till his departure. From, from, from the early years all the way up into 1965. Before the seals and after the seals. Notice this quotation I read from, from a deceived church by the world. Brother Branham mentioned the altar two times. You know, he mentioned there about die out at the altar and scream, get all messed up to places to, till the starch gets out of your collar. He said, we'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. Those are the two times that he refers to the altar. My question has been, does the church, does it, the church have the strength to bring forth, do we have strength in this age to push back the lukewarmness and the coldness of this age and become the church that Jesus said would be an invincible army that the gates of hell would not prevail against? Do we have it? Can the church do it? Twice he mentions the altar. In Branham Tabernacle, sadly to say, there hasn't been an altar call in the Branham Tabernacle for years now, literally for years. And man, the Branham Tabernacle, the voice of God is not a representation of this message. That's right. Their light has gone out. Well, we don't believe in altars. That's just a Methodist tradition. Yeah. I know. I've been in message churches where the altar was taken out of the church. Set in the basement or just like Brother Branham said it would be. Or out in the back room somewhere. When I built this church, I said I want an altar to go from here to there. And I want tears on this altar. Amen. You know, sure, Brother Branham was against using sentimental reasons to come. Remember, your mother died, and, and she would want you to go to the altar and get saved. And, oh, Mama wants you to be a good boy. Won't you go down and give your heart to Christ? You know, and you do it for Mama, or you do it because of some other reason, sentimental. You and I have been friends a long time. Why not go down to the altar with me and get saved? It never works. But it can please God sometime to have an altar call. Brother Branham said in 1964, I believe God's going to do some great things tomorrow. I'm hoping he is. That's the reason I make altar calls, do everything I can to find favor with him. So an altar call to be done brings favor with God. Oh, yeah. You know, you say, but it's a tradition. There's a lot of things that are traditions. We come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. That's a tradition. That's a custom of ours to come and honor the resurrection. It's a tradition, but it's a good one. Right? Amen. We break in the midweek. It's our tradition to break in the midweek to come to to church and break in the midweek to to get on something spiritual and face the, the, the weekend. Right? And then we have Sunday to face the rest of the, the, the week coming up and honor the resurrection. Amen. It's a tradition. 
But he said in testimony on the sea in 64, we've gone off without the old time prayer meetings and the baptism of the Holy Ghost coming back until the fire burnt low. You can cry out and try to get people to the altar and they'll just walk up like they were dead, a dread to come and then ask ministers to come pray with them. And oh, he said, what did he call me for? And they get down there and you can hardly get them and they stand there just a few minutes and look up at you and go back and sit down in their seat. He said to me, the fire has gone out. Something has happened. Listen, what we need is revival. That sinners looking upon Christ repent, run to the altar with their hands up, screaming for mercy, and the whole church is a flame of fire with the glory of God. He says in 63, he said, what the world needs today is a good old time St. Paul's revival. And the Bible, the Holy Ghost back again, where the Spirit of God falls among the people and signs and wonders appear like sparks off of an anvil. Yes, sir, we need it. That's what we have to have it hold together. Now, nowadays, we got the new way. We're just born by natural birth into the message and you know, we want to help them out of the shell and so on. And you can't help with the way you're living. You know, you just live in this old flesh and you can't overcome the flesh. And we try to help them. Help them out. Make it a little easier on them. It's like picking a chick out of a shell. We kill them. Somebody with me? Amen. What we need is an old-fashioned prayer altar where they pray through. I'm quoting your prophet. Until using themselves to come in God's provided way, they free themselves from the world. That's exactly right. You know, even eagle has to. You say, we're eagles, Brother Tim. We're not a chick. We're an eagle. Well, even eagle has to pip his way out. That's right. You know, again, there, there he is as he tries to... To, pick, to pip his way out and beat his way out of that old shell. You know what happens? We hear, all days of miracles are past. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, we, 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 we got a more dignified way of coming today. But, uh, but again, the nature within it says, peck a hole in it. Yeah. Amen. Knock a hole in it. And he begins to knock until he gets a little bit of that atmosphere in the shell. And he says, I know there's a better world out there because I got some of that atmosphere coming down in my shell and begins to beat on that until he, he finally breaks out of the shell. Amen. Amen. And he pecks a guy on that shell as hard as he can. Satan, get away from here. Amen. I'm coming out here. I'm not laying in this old shell anymore. Amen. I'm pipping my way out because I'm an eagle. Amen. How do you pick your way out? Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. You've made me a promise, Lord. The devil's over here saying, I'll give up. You know, you, you'll never get the Holy Ghost and you knock a little harder. Come on. You say, Brother Tim, but that ain't the way it happens. It is the way it happened. Brother Branham said, when I got saved, he said, I began to cry and said, God save me. Somehow save me. What have you got to do? Save me. And he said, the devil said to me, you have already sinned away your day of grace. And he said, I used it against him. And I said, oh, God, I, know I may have sent away my day of grace, but I'm coming on anyhow. And he said, I pecked my way into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Let me get to my subject. All of that's preview. How do few things get off my chest? Get you ready in an atmosphere. That was Samson. Samson was raised up to destroy the enemy. And we're raised up to cast Satan out and to rule from the supernatural to tear down the gates of hell. Is that right? That's what the church is to do. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, so we must be tearing it down. Amen. We're, we're raised up to cast out devils. That's what salvation is. That's what healing is. Is casting out devils. Amen. We are to rule from the supernatural. That means we are to rule over the supernatural realms of Satan's kingdom. He minds us. We now mind him no more. He has to do what we say. We don't do what he says. Amen. Here Samson was predestinated. How many is predestinated? Predestinated, ordained by God. His, his mother, the church, going to say it that way, visited by an angel. Telling him, I'm going to bring forth an offspring out of, out of here, out of the church. And it's going, to have, it's going to have seven locks. It's going to be covenant with God. He's going to have seven locks representing seven church ages. And, and his covenant with God in every age represents a Nazarite vow that I surrendered to God and I'm dedicated to God. Consecrated. That's what a Nazarite vow was. It was to consecrate them and set them apart and made them peculiar. And we as a church must never lose our peculiarity. We are to be different. We are to dare to be different. Say, young people, young people say, I want to be like them. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You are not to lose your identity as a Christian. Amen. And there, you know, the, the man knew the power of God. Why, you know, sometimes he would be caught up by out in the open and no weapon. And a thousand Philistines, you know, would be, be surrounded him and a new jawbone. That's what the Bible said. A new jawbone of, a, of an ass was laying there and he picks that thing up. Well, a new one, you know, is a, is a little different from a hardened one. It's still soft. And it don't look like it would absolutely would go through the helmets of those Philistines. It, it, it looked like it could never overcome against the enemy and the, the innumerable army that was around them. Are you with me? Yeah, a thousand of them, but that's innumerable when you're just one. Are you with me? Hey Amen. It's, it's a big army. And here you're one. 
but yet you just pick up a fresh promise. Said, I've never tried this one before. Hey, there's all kinds of promises in this word you've never tried before. Amen. But in a defeat, oh, it's the word. In a defeat, the devil, anywhere, any place, any time, under any conditions. So the devil's got him surrounded. He looks around for something to fight with. There's a jawbone of an ass. You know, sometimes your promise looks mighty weak. You, you mean this promise, if I believe this, it's really going to defeat this big old devil that's really coming against me? Well, no, it won't lay in there on the dirt. It won't defeat nothing laying here in the scripture. It's not dirt. But see my analogy, laying here covered up in all the other promises. It'll not defeat an enemy. Lay it over there on somebody sick. It'll not defeat him. But if you will take that promise into a hand of faith and realize you have been called and ordained to cast Satan out as the bride of Jesus Christ. Is somebody with me? And you begin to smite that enemy. Oh, brother, demons are going to start falling everywhere. And all Samson had to do was feel right back here. And he said, but I've got a covenant with God. Thy seed shall possess the gates of thine enemy. And as long as he can reach back there and feel those seven locks, that was representative of God's covenant. There was nothing going to bother him as long as he remembered that covenant promise. And nothing can bother the church of the living God as long as we can feel the Holy Ghost, the covenant of God's word in our heart, and the Pentecostal blessing. By the way, that was taken from a 63 quote. Amen. Feel that Holy Ghost, the covenant of God's word in our heart. The Pentecostal blessing. Most message folks today don't know what a Pentecostal blessing is. Amen. But these, these that are being scorned as these peculiar ones, they still got seven locks. They hadn't went beyond the, the prophet's message to an eighth age. Come on. But they're there with the fullness of the word from Paul's gospel to Paul's gospel again in the last church age. Are you with me? Amen. From Alpha to Omega. And they feel right back here and say, yeah, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this promise is just as good today as it ever was. Pick it up in your hands and use it against your enemy. The works that I do shall you do also. The life that I have in me will be in you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. How did the Father send him? The Father that sent him went in him. Somebody with me? Amen. Jesus sends a man, goes in the man. It isn't the man, it's Jesus. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't him, it wasn't Samson. Brother Branham would describe him as a puny little runt. A sissy like boy. 
Amen. But he had, a, he had a hidden power on the inside of him. And when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, huh, there wasn't a giant too big. There wasn't an army too big. There wasn't gates too big. There was nothing too big for Samson. That early church cast out devils, raised the dead, healed the sick. They would even get in the shadow of Peter. Just let the shadow pass over them. That's all it took. Amen. Delilah. Samson had a fatal attraction. He had a fatal attraction to harlots. So has the church had a fatal attraction to harlots. And they've joined themselves with Roman Catholic and Methodist and Baptist and Pentecostal. And message denominations. Because he had an attraction to harlots. Who is this Delilah? Who saved the power? Delilah isn't a person. Not today. Delilah is a spirit. And spirits never die. Amen. It's an communical spirit. We're all one. And everybody and everything is acceptable. It's people's rights. Just lay down and go to sleep. Just sleep on my lap. Then the next thing, you know, a cancel culture, you know, also known as group shaming. Where you're shamed by the world for not letting gays have their sweethearts. Bethany don't have a heart attack. They don't care what I say out there. They ain't going to listen anyway. Say, Brother Tim, you got hate in your heart. No, I got love. I got the greatest love for gay people. Much love for gays as I do for harlots and whores and prostitutes. We love them. And we want them them saved and delivered. We want to see them filled with the Holy Ghost and make heaven their home. We don't want anybody lost. Amen. The worldly group shames you for not accepting sin. You know, for not accepting. Can I go down this line just a minute? The Black Black Lives Matters and their LGBT movement and their objection to the nuclear family, a mother and a dad in a family. The worldly group shames you for not accepting that. For not accepting the exploiting of our women and pushing them out into careers when they were made by God to nurture children. Can I quote you the Bible to be keepers at home? 
Amen. We don't want that. We don't want that red today, Brother Tim. That's not one. Even in message churches, we don't want that said today. Listen. Boy, you misunderstand me. I have nothing against a young girl going and getting an education and getting, a, you know, getting something that could help her family in future times. But her goal should be to get married, to have children, and nurture them to raise them for God. And not be swept away in this idolatry of women worship today. I hope you understand that. Yeah. We're not criticizing somebody that's unmarried because they got, a, they got an education, went and got them a job. God bless you. And man, you know, if, when, you get, when you do get married, you can be a homemaker and raise your children. The time comes and the children are gone, you help your, your husband or do whatever. You know, there, there can be, be things that you can use. We're not condemning that. But we are condemning the, this feminist move today. That pulls the woman out of the home and out of position where she's no longer subject to her husband. I just saw some eyes roll and say, get off that soapbox. Maybe I ought to get on it a little more. Rub a little more soap in. Amen. Delilah. And you lay down in her lap. And the first thing you know, your power is cut off. Again, we're not condemning someone that's got to help their husband in situations. Some, some are merit that. But I'm talking about, I'm just talking about the general goal. The church has chipped her cup of her fornications. That, that worldliness of the council culture, the ecumenical, we're all one, the people's rights. We're all to be alike and the same. And, you know, you, you, you can't be different. And they've drank out of it. They, they deface memorials. Because really the memorial that they're really trying to face Deface, we see it in America where they want to wipe away and deface and get rid of the men who wrote the Constitution and stood for the godliness as they knew it and made this a Christian nation. And they want to, they want to deface the monuments. Stop right there for a minute. How many members, me, I can't even remember when it was, 10, 15, could have been 20 years ago, preaching on the defacing of a monument. Anybody remember that? Brother Darrell, you do. Okay, there's one. You got a good memory. God bless you. Where's the rest of you? Karen, do you remember that? I meant she's had a brain bleed. What's your problem? <laughs> defacing of a monument. And what they want to do is deface the original writers of the Bible and say the days of miracles are past and turn us into a bloodless religion where the power of God don't work in the people. It's all happening right here. We see it on one front. It's happening right in the other front. And I'm protesting. 
I'm saying it's wrong. Amen. I'm saying the word of God is true. And the book of Acts should be our goal to write another book of Acts in this day. Come on. Amen. To put forth another branch. Brother Branham said it chipped a cup of her fornication to the mouth of God's church that's been raised up to show his last signs and wonders as Jesus' last commandment was to do in Mark 16. And has left them stripped, <coughs> standing stripped, denying the power thereof, denying the Holy Spirit, denying the power to speak with tongues, denying the power of the Holy Spirit to raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out devils. And he said, now the church is weak and the Philistines are on you now, Samson. Stripped him of the power. Trying to find out what strength he had. Where did your strength lie? It lay in the word. Not, Not theology, the word, a person. Your covenant with him, your experience with him. And, and, they say, and, and they saved off the locks by saying, it don't mean that. And the days of miracles are past, and, and, and there's no such thing as, as this or that. You know, we actually get the Holy Ghost different than they did in the book of Acts. But you know, again, I just want to ask today, who is the crop of new hair? You see, the end of Samson was not just being blinded and grinding at the devil's wheel round and around and around. And let me just tell you, my friend, you go around and you play with the devil, man or woman, I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll blind your eyes and he'll put you around at the devil's wheel and you'll just go around and around serving the devil that you were raised up to destroy. But who is that crop? I'm seeing something different than a blind church. I'm seeing something different than a weak church that's in prison. Come on. Amen. That's grinding at the devil's will, using what little strength he has to work for the devil. I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing a new crop of hair. I'm seeing faith begin to rise. I'm I'm seeing the power of God coming back in the church. I'm seeing a level of expectancy begin to happen. Amen. I'm seeing an atmosphere that says, oh my, the devil hadn't noticed. But we're here. We have arrived. Amen. The people who are now back in covenant with God again, who believe that word of God, just take me to those two posts. Because Satan's kingdom's about to come down. Because we're leaving out of here. Amen. And the most glorious shout. Amen. With a greater victory than the church ever had in all the ages. Brother Branham said, Samson began to think, wonder if there's a possibility. I know my hair 
has grown out. I'm blind. There could be a possibility of another revival. And he says, there is a possibility. Amen. And he shows it there of this little boy that he had to lead him up to the two posts. Just put my hands on this post. Let me, let me lean on this post. And there as he's leaning on the post, you know, he began to think God is still God. The church may have failed him and went into the dark ages and we might have got down here at the end time and people made two lords out of him and they made a Perusia and then they made a, a, a seven thunder cult and they made this and that. Come on. But God is still God. One went over in formalism, the other went over in emotionalism, but God's still God. Amen. I put him to the test. I know he remains God. It's me that's been wrong. I wonder if we could, if we could be like Samson where they didn't notice the tears was coming down his face. They didn't notice him praying a prayer like Brother Branham prayed for himself. God created me a revival. I wonder if there could be a people today that could pray that prayer like Brother Bradham did and recognize in your day in his message, God created me a revival. Let me be the revival. Let each of us be the revival, the revival in me. Lord, make me to hunger. How many can say, Lord, make me to hunger again? I see you young boys there playing with your video games. I wonder how many tapes have you listened to? Amen. God put a hunger in our young men. Them video games is a worse, a waste of your time. Get in the message. Get in the word. Hear what God said in this day. Wasn't long ago we had a youth camp and the Holy Spirit moved and demons were cast out everywhere. We had 10 manifestations of demonic powers and God brought deliverance in young men. And here in the next thing you know, piles of game boys and, 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 and videos and, and video games. All this was piled up worth thousands of dollars and we had a burning. Hallelujah. Don't let it come back. Don't flirt with it. Realize we're in the last time. Realize we got a message we're responsible for. Realize there's something better to do with your time. I'll bring rotten eggs next service, Brother Tim. Well, I'll have Timothy preach. He can dodge better than I can. (laughs) Drew, you heard him sing. He said to me last week, Papa, how come you walk like a penguin? (laughs) (laughs) So I told him and William in there. I've got this little thing full of pins that's stuck in my toes and stuck in my feet and stuck in my heel and stuck this way in six surgeries that it took. When the doctor said, son, 
You'd be better off with a, without a foot than that foot. We're going to work on it, but you only have 50% chance of keeping it. I laid in the hospital nine days. They split the cast open. The doctor said his heart was going like this. I come out of that hospital. Graduated from there into a walking cast. I would go up into Arkansas. Some of the Arkansas boys remember me. Wayne Lawson said I was four or five years old and said, I, all I remember about you, Brother Tim, you had this something on your foot. I said, it was a walking cast. And I preached with this walking cast. We had a revival. Boo devil. You ain't going to keep us down no matter what happens. Pull that cast off of there six weeks later or eight weeks later there in front of that doctor. That doctor threw his hands up in the air and tears rolled out of, his, out of his face and he said, son, don't you ever thank me for this. God brought you through this. Nothing else but God. And I've used these feet to preach all over the world. Because the devil can't keep us down. He can't stop us. Drew saw me the other day at the, at the camp. He looked at my feet and he said, Papa, can I look at them toes again? I said, yep. He pulled my shoes off and then he pulled my socks off. Then he pulled some of my toes and pulled and played with them, that, some of them that don't have bones in them. And he said, Papa, do veterinarians... Do they take the bones out of penguins' feet so they walk that way? <laughs> yeah. But where should we be in this day and hour? In this time where we've seen what God has brought us through and what he's done. Created me, Lord, what's needed in me. Sometimes, you know, God has allowed things to be a harness to keep you in the mode that he wants you in. Made me be a more consecrated servant. A better servant, more blessed of you, more able, more humbler. More kinder, more willing to work. More looking to the things that are positive, forgetting the things that are in the past and the negatives. Let me press to the mark of the high calling in Christ. Now, Samson knew what was going to happen. He knew what it was going to cost him. He knew it would cost him his life. But who wants to live in a depraved Sorry, godless condition. Are you with me? Samson began to cry out. He knew what it began was going to cost him. It would cost him his life. He knew that he would die. And we ought to know too. We'll have to die to some of our creeds. Our own ideas and our own ways and our own ambitions. And our own sinful past, come on, and our doubts. 
and there's going to have to be a real crucifixion of the old man in order to have this revival. But I wonder if we're willing to pay the price. I wonder if there's a people that even like tabernacle. that are willing to pay the price of a renewed walk with God, of a more dedicated and more consecrated and more surrendered life. I wonder if there's a people that's willing to sell out. And Brother Bradley would say, oh God, if the body of Jesus Christ could stand as one and every fiber and every member begin to vibrate, with the literal baptism of the Holy Ghost. Again, not with new members and shaking hands or some creeds, but with the power of God. And that was Samson. He began there and he began to vibrate as he laid hands there upon those two pillars and something began to surge through him and he began to press. Maybe it didn't move much at first, but he pressed some more. Maybe it didn't move very much at that time, but he pressed some more. And he, he said, oh, God, just once more. Whatever you have to do, Lord, let it vibrate through me. Let it empower me. Let it set me free. Let me be on fire for God. Let me shake off this lukewarmness. Let me give my whole life to you. I want to be a sold-out son or daughter of God. And it began to vibrate under the power of God. And those posts began to buckle. And I see them begin to buckle. Cancers healed. Brain bleeds healed. And sinners weeping their way to Calvary. I see Satan's kingdom coming down. And I see a triumphant bride that's going to leave out of here. Crucified to the flesh, dead to her own ideas, love with Jesus and him having the preeminence. Somebody that loves them with all their heart, with all their soul, with everything that's within them. Stripped, stripped, but raised up to show signs and wonders. Most of them stripped of speaking in tongues. A divine healing stripped of the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes not even an amen. The other, on the other hand, just a bunch of fanaticism jumping up and down. Idolatry and idol worship. Yet we cry for revival. How many wants revival? How many would say, I want revival in my soul? Would that be your prayer this morning? I want it. Yet we, we cry for revival. But when he comes, we treat him like they did then and let him sit with unwashed feet. Somebody raised up in the spirit of God and holler amen or scream or something like that. When Jesus happens to pass by, they put him out of the church. They think it's awful, a shame to disgrace the church, the people, when it's Jesus himself passing by. Amen. Amen. Oh my, you know, when you get a blind Bartimaeus, somebody that realizes their need, and they 
hear that Jesus is passing by, you can't keep them quiet. They began to say, oh God, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. I've got to have you. I can't, I can't let you go. You'll be like that woman, get a hold of his, of his garment. I want him. But they'd rather leave him with a dirty name. Saying something against it. Days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as that. It's just emotion. When the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Instead of washing him in, with tears of joy. So glad that he's here. I'm going to just tell you, church. I said it today. We don't realize what a miracle we have. But I'm going to bring it down to you. You don't realize what a miracle you have to have anointed preaching, to have anointed singing, to have anointing in the pews, to have the Holy Spirit moving, to have divine healing among us, to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't realize what a miracle that is. Whether we've got a world that is dying and passing out in the Laodicea and you've got a chance at a revival for your own life. I'll tell you, if I were you this morning, I wouldn't let him pass me by. I'd be crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me. Because I tell you, when you recognize his presence, when you really realize that's him among us, Amen. It makes you hysterically. Amen. Brother Brandon said, I got hysterically. And anyone that gets in his presence and believes him and has faith in him, it'll make you hysterically. On the day of Pentecost, when he comes in the form of the Holy Ghost, they got hysterically. And when you really believe and recognize it's your opportunity and you're in in his presence and you're sure of it, he said, you'll be like her. You'll even get out of order. Hallelujah. I remember Sister Alana getting out of order, getting out of her pew and making laps around that bell, this building. She got out of order. Amen. But if you want to do something, you know, for he lets you do it, it may be out of order, but he'll let you do it anyhow. You get to worshiping and praising him. Come on. Amen. And realizing, realizing that I'm in his presence. And because I'm in his presence, he can heal my, my sick body. He can save my sick soul. He can deliver God's people. It isn't that God failed the church. It's the church has failed him. We ought to be standing in a condition instead of letting Dagon have the victory and our enemies celebrating and calling on their God and worshiping him. It ought to be us. Thou art victory, victorious, O Jehovah. Yes. You're our victory. Yes. Having you in our life is our victory. Yes. You are our joy, and we must have you. Yes. We must have you in our life. We must have you. We must be the church that's, that is the last commission. Amen. The last thing he said to the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, this ties it together. These signs shall follow them that believe. How many is the followers of him today? And the signs will follow. Let's bow our heads together. Let the musicians come. Oh, yeah. They had burned out his eyes. I wonder today at the church, what kind of eyesight did this have? Wonder about the message believers around the world today. What kind of eyesight did they have? Can they see you still the same? Can he see that they see that he's still God? That he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever? To realize that we were a church. We were a church, and Brother Branham was here. We cast out devils. We raised the dead. We did the things Jesus did. Sin couldn't dwell among us because the Holy Spirit would call it out. I wonder today if we could return to that kind of a church. (laughs) Brother Branham told us in 1965 that instead of tearing for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we let science prove to us the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. Oh, we got something different today. Yeah, it's different, all right. But it's strangely so similar to what they got out in denomination. It's a powerless cult you turn to. Instead of raising the, keeping the divine healing going, which it ought to be now. Somebody said, well, you know, you sure it's not just a tradition, what, what we're supposed to be? You ought to be now. Raising the dead and doing great miracles. You let Satan under your leadership of religious men take the word of God and say it was for another age. I hear our prophets saying there ought to be a holy power surrounding in the church that make demons flee. Instead of that, it's become a laughing stock. You say, why is it? It's all mechanics and no dynamics. Why he said the church ought to be the most, in this most glorious stage right now, the power of his resurrection, great signs and wonders. I wonder if you look in your life today and you say, I'm lacking that real dedication and consecration. Why don't you come back to him now? What's it going to require you? It's going to require for you to die. It's going to require you make a full surrender. It's going to require that you become sold out and dedicated and consecrated. Even Brother Brandon would say, they say, they have nerve to say, wonder what happened to the God of the Bible. Where is that God? He said, why? 
You choked him out by your creeds and your traditions. He said he's still the same God of history. He's waiting for his people to call him up out of history. But that God remains God. He's God forever. But our traditions, we've taught it away from the people. I wonder if that's our condition today around the world. Isn't it time to come back to God? Isn't it time to make a full surrender? Isn't it time to say, God, I really need you. I really want to sell out. I want to really consecrate. I want to be that dedicated son or daughter. Can you surrender up some of your pride? Some of the starchiness, get it out of your collar enough just to really worship God? Could there really be some real tears that comes down and that you wash his feet and you just make him welcome and you say, Lord, here I am, remember me. Remember me. Would there be somebody here today to say, remember me, Lord? I, I want that real dedication, that real consecration. I want to make that full surrender. I want to be yours, Lord. Would you just raise a hand to God and say, Lord, that's me. That's me. I want it, Lord. I want it with all my heart. Just hear my humble cry. Amen. He sees you. He knows your heart. He knows what's, what you're dealing with in your soul. He knows what you need. How about you young people? How about your middle age? How about your dads? Are you ready to really have a prayer altar at your home and really begin to be a, a real son of God and lead your family? Is there something in you that says, I got to have more of Jesus? I want to make that full surrender. Father, you see every heart, Lord, today. Lord, we're standing here today, and it's not, it's not just up there just once more, Lord, but it's right here we're saying just once more. Once more, Lord, make this new crop. This new crop that now who knows who Delilah is, that knows who that Antichrist spirit is, that knows that spirit of false doctrine. May it be, Lord, those people. Those people that's come to realization, I know who Delilah is. I know what stripped me of my power. Bring a renewing of the Holy Ghost today. In Jesus' name, I ask it, Father, a new dedication for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How many would stand together with me and say, that's me. Savior. Oh, loving Savior. Oh, God, hear. Hear my humble. And you humble down enough to really call out to him. And while oh, thou art called, I 
Bye. 